Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco Arment. And I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is never longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started. Um, so we are starting to enter into that pre-WWDC um, season. I think as we are recording this, we will have one more episode uh, prior to WWDC. And, and that's exciting. That's interesting. It's a time to typically, I would say, sort of start winding down things in terms of big new features, big new tasks, um, clear the decks, get things ready for WWDC and whatever's uh, going to be announced there. But it also seemed like a good opportunity to talk about something that um, sort of as my products have matured and developed over time, I think there is an increasing place I find myself where I'm adding features that don't end up actually improving my apps, that um, I can look back at the choices I've made or the features I've implemented. And there are certainly some that's like I add a new feature, I add a new capability, and it's very impactful, very important. You know, it makes people more engaged with the application, makes it better, um, and is generally a good thing. And then just as often, I feel like there are features that I add, um, either new capabilities that Apple adds to um, iOS that I adopt, or just features or ideas that I have that I then implement and that end up going nowhere that I almost regret implementing because I have to maintain or are really hard to support or create confusion and kind of leave me with this weird feeling of like I went through weeks of work and in the end it would have been better for me not to have done it like making a change and make a change and then it's the app is worse or it makes less income or all kinds of bad things that can happen and sometimes I feel like maybe I should just do nothing and just leave my apps in the app store and do nothing to them other than compatibility updates um, and that would actually be better and I don't think that is actually true, but certainly in the moment, I've had those feelings um, several times. And I think a good place to kind of walk that through is just to think about some of the updates I've made to my apps that kind of fall into both of those categories. But before we get sort of dive into some potentially some sort of more case study things, is this an experience that resonates with you, Marco? All the time. <laughs> this is a constant feeling for me. Um, and I think it falls into, for me, it kind of falls into like two buckets. One is features that I have developed or you know, things I've put into the app that served a purpose for a time, but that time I think has passed and that I want to get rid of now, but they weren't bad at the time. You know, like, like you know, certain, you know, technological things move forward, styles and user preferences move forward, uh, what features are important in a category change over time, and some of them fall out of favor. And so, like, certainly there there's, like, the category of things that, I don't regret doing at the time, but I wish I could get rid of now. Um, and then there's a the category of things that I that were just a bad idea from the start, <laughs> and, and I, yeah. that I wish, in retrospect, I wish I had just never done them at all. Um, and and that's that's a different thing, I think. But um, but certainly in either case, the problem you have now is similar, which is there's something that you did in your app that you that you probably can't easily get rid of or undo. Um, or without you know angering a whole bunch of your existing user base or rewriting a whole bunch of code or something like that that you're kind of stuck with yeah and i think it's it's such a tension though right there's, there's this thing of at the moment it feels like it was a good idea but it, you don't really know where that's actually going to go um sort of sort of until it's actually out in the world and i think the first thing that i think of that it, it reminds me of this is i'm early on or in the sort of the apple watch period with pedometer plus plus i made a decision to implement my own um step merging algorithm between the phone and the watch and so i do something that is a bit more th sort of it's like in quotes intelligent about doing that merge 
where I try and detect which which device is more accurately representing your mo- your motion at any given time, and use that number rather than the number that you see in health, which is based on Apple's kind of their mer- their merging algorithm is much more kind of abstract and weird and based on a user preference that most users don't know they've actually set a preference for. Um, but it means that this feature that I thought at the time was really cool ended up causing just huge, it's been a huge pain because everyone, you know, my, my step count doesn't match the health app, um, or doesn't account match other apps. And like, I can say it was like, well, mine is better, but it's also then it's been this, this, this every week there are people who ask why the numbers are different, why it's still, you know, why, why, why is, why are the numbers not the same? And as the Apple watch adoption has gone up. Um, it has become increasingly a thing. And I look at that feature and I'm like, I I like that it's there, but I also don't think it actually was was impactful. And I think the lesson I kind of learned there is I don't think I could fully considered my app in the broader context of the device and how people use it and how people might like that irrespective of whether I think my number is more accurate or better. Um, it's not actually what people want. They want a number that is cons- feels consistent and feels true and as soon as there's any difference that creates doubt and that lack of that doubt in sort of the the validity of my numbers then you know actually causes more problems because that's what people actually want is to have a reliable step count not that it's necessarily a better step count Um, that's just an example of a feature that it's like i thought the time was super cool but now i kind of wish i could change but i can't really change it very easily because if i change it then um, it'll cause you know, problems with with people with old data or who had previous streaks or things like that that I just sort of don't feel I can get a, get away from now. <laughs> I kind of have things going from small and recent to big and old here. Yeah. <laughs> so my my smallest and most recent regret is that the app currently um, in the last version of Overcast I changed the way streaming works for all of time since I've had streaming. Uh, which I'll get to in a little while, but for for all the time that I've had streaming, the way streaming playback has worked in Overcast is a stream is is more technically correctly labeled as a progressive download, that it doesn't just stream it and then leave nothing on disk, it just starts the download and plays it as it completes. Um, and so the, the result after you've streamed an episode before the current version was that it just became a downloaded episode. And ever since I've introduced this, I've had people write in confused by this saying, why is my phone filling up? I say I have it on streaming mode. And so people expect streaming mode to not use disk space. Well, uh, so in the last version of Overcast, I changed that behavior finally to to be what I thought people wanted all this time because they kept telling me they wanted that, which is to have streaming mode only maintain the current episode as a download. And then as soon as you played a different episode in streaming mode, it would delete that other one and you would download this new one. Uh, and and, replace it on disk basically so you'd only ever have one episode on disk at once of that setting yeah it turns out people hate that too (laughs) (laughs) i I keep hearing from them and so now i'm stuck at this terrible place where it's okay well i can revert it back to the old way which i know will anger certain people i can keep it this current way which i know will anger certain people or i can add a preference (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, great. which sucks which will anger everybody <laughs> right which 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 it makes everything more complicated and <laughs> and i have to you know add one more thing to that to the download screen which i have to design, design that download screen very the download settings screen rather uh, very carefully because people often misunderstand it and i do want to put I, like i need to 
add a little more language to it, I think, to clarify. But not like anyone reads the text in your app. So it's <laughs> – <laughs> I I just have this this terrible place that I'm in now because I I dare to change the streaming mode when in reality streaming in general is one of the things that I kind of regret adding to my app and I know a lot of people use it like I I, I actually do keep metrics on like what download mode people use so so I know like a good portion of the user base uses streaming mode and I also know that even for people like me who use download mode it is nice to be able to start something playing immediately that I haven't fully downloaded yet. And I remember back in the early, early days of Overcast before I added streaming, like the first few versions didn't support streaming, they were download only. Um, and I remember back to those days how it was kind of annoying when I would like be recommended a new show, I'd go download something and I'd have to wait for that first episode to download all the way before I could play it. That was annoying. And so, But at the same time, I kind of wish I could get rid of streaming altogether. Because, it, and, and I can't, and don't worry everyone, I'm not doing this, but I, it would make things so much simpler in so many ways. It would get rid of so many weird edge conditions of like, well, I, I'm trying to offer this feature, but I can't do it. Like clip sharing, for instance, I can't do in the current implementation. I can't do clip sharing if it's not fully downloaded. And so, and right now there's actually a bug that if you use the new, if you use streaming mode now in this new version, it never considers episodes fully downloaded. And so you just can't use clip sharing. So I got to fix that. But uh, <laughs> that's, that's a bug, not intentional. But um, like lots of things in the app would be a lot simpler if I could get rid of that. If I could get rid of streaming entirely, um, it, it would it would make so much easier and in, in the sense that I could make a lot of assumptions in the code that I can't make now. And there was a lot of special cases I wouldn't have to accommodate anymore for like, well, if the episode is downloaded from here to the end but the area before the playhead is not downloaded you know there's there's all sorts of strange conditions that streaming can bring up that that you know i just i would rather not have to deal with but in reality i I do but at the end of the day like i suppose this is like what we get paid for right this is (laughs) it's like dealing with these difficult tricky hairy problems is why people use our apps like like these problems tend to provide utility to people and so i guess we have to deal with it but i really wish i didn't have to yeah and i think it's, it's a tough thing because it's it felt like it was it always feels like you were doing the right thing at the time right yeah and then it's like oh this is going to be great i'm going to alleviate all these people who've been complaining for so long and then it like you make a change and then it's like for some people it's worse because they like the, they like the old way and because they, they certainly didn't feel like they had to tell you that they liked the old way because they liked it. And so, it was, you know, the app did exactly what they expected. And so you're changing it in a way that feels you know, like a, superficially should make the app better, but is actually making you know, any change whatsoever you make to an app essentially will make it worse for someone and better for someone else. Um, and so like that tension is just so harsh because you, you're kind of stuck. Um, and I think too, it's like some of these, so many times I feel like these kind of things I've run into are also when I adopt a feature that, um, is sort of the, the, the new hotness for an OS or something new has, has come out and then I adopt it and then I regret adopting it because it turns out that feature didn't really go anywhere or was, is more annoying or complicated or creates other problems. And it's like, I have two of those with Pedometer that I can think of where it's like, I had, I, 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 I sort of have an iMessage app store app thing that as far as I know, no one ever uses, but <laughs> it's still in there. And I guess I could just pull it out. But honestly, there's a part of it's like, I don't even know how to remove features like that because it was like a build target and there's all kinds of files and getting rid of it is just as scary as keeping it in in some ways. Um, 
or I think of like I implemented the Siri support for uh, Pedometer where you can like start a workout by talking to Siri. And that was, has, has, as far as, as based on just general feedback, I, I don't think anyone's ever used it or knows, knows it exists, but there's all kinds of weird things that you have to do and manage and has caused kinds of problems with my Apple Watch app as a result because it's this weird way that you have to be able to launch the app into a workout rather than launching it to its normal home screen and that changes a bunch of things and it's like it's it's so hard to predict obviously the features that are going to be worth worth implementing and it's like when i think of in a couple weeks we're going to get a whole new set of features or capabilities and i look at them and i'm sure there's going to be things that i'm like oh that's really cool that's really exciting i want to do that but it's like probably half of those at least aren't 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 really going to go anywhere um, and then half of them will. And obviously, sometimes it's really paid off to be implementing the you know the new hotness. You know, it was very important for me that I fully embraced widgets this year. But I don't know how to differentiate between iMessage App Store and widgets. Like, the, the, I don't think I have enough insight into the world to or into the future to know that. Well, there are certain things that we don't regret adding to our apps, and one of those is probably Revenue Cat, <laughs> this episode of Under the Radar. Absolutely, can confirm. <laughs> we are brought to you this week by Revenue Cat. Trying to build your own in-app purchase stuff is, is really a pain, especially when it comes to subscriptions and validation and all that stuff. Using Revenue Cat to power your app's in-app purchases solves for edge cases you don't even know you have and protects from outages your team hasn't seen yet. Plus, it saves you time on future maintenance, which is our topic this, this week, and, and future features released by the app stores. Revenue Cat empowers your product and marketing teams with clean and reliable IAP data so they can make better decisions to help your app grow. RevenueCat handles all the headaches of building in-app purchase infrastructure so you can get back to building your app. With support for iOS, macOS, Android, and Stripe, RevenueCat makes it easy to verify subscription status across multiple platforms with the tools you need to quickly set up and manage any in-app purchase model from a simple to-do list app to complex cross-platform subscriptions. And I can tell you, I've built these things without RevenueCat, and it is not fun. (laughs) So to have them take care of this for you, that's a good thing. They have SDKs for iOS, iPadOS, WatchOS, Android, React Native, Flutter, Cordova, Unity, and macOS Catalyst. And RevenueCat has a free tier for side projects. It's free until you ship, even for the biggest apps. So you can spend time building your app, not a giant, messy subscription backend. So relieve all of your subscription worries by going to RevenueCat.com to get started for free. That's RevenueCat.com to get started for free. Thank you so much to RevenueCat for saving Dave a bunch of time in his apps and (laughs) and for sponsoring our show. So I I was, you know, I think a, a different category of these kind of like regretted, like feature regrets that we've built in um, is kind of code level, uh, you know, larger things. Um, So for me, it's like every time I've built some kind of big, hairy custom UI code, uh, I've usually regretted it because, you know, at the time I built it, and we've, we've talked a little bit about this before, at the time that we built it, I often think, well, Okay, I can achieve 80% of what I want, but I really want that last 20%. And to do that, I have to do custom UI stuff. I have to either you know, do a little bit of hacking around with UI table view cell, or maybe I have to make my own custom transition between view controllers or something like that. There's like some kind of like weird UI hack that like it would be it would look really great, or or to achieve the thing I want to achieve, I'm gonna have to go past the vanilla UI kit adjustments and go a little and go a little bit hacky or a little bit deeper. And whenever I have done this. I have always regretted it afterwards. Now, I don't regret it at the time. As I'm doing it, 
I'm thinking, well, this is kind of hairy and gross, but I'm achieving something here and it's worth it's worth the outcome I'm achieving. And then when it when it first gets done and you first see that that cool UI thing or that custom transition or whatever, you're like, wow, my app is awesome. I am awesome. This is great. (laughs) But then a year later, when you want to go change something about it, that's when you regret it. (laughs) And that's when you're like, oh, no, I I like this is where I am in Overcast right now. The Overcast UI, I there's a reason why I haven't changed the UI that much in the last year. Uh, because I feel kind of paralyzed under the weight of all of the custom UI stuff I've done in the past. And one of the things I wanted to do was, I guess in the now playing screen, I wanted to um, replace the whole like swipey card thing with the three different screens and the now playing screen. I wanted to replace that with the iOS 13 slide up modal style. And the reason I hadn't done that yet is because I didn't require iOS 13 until like a month ago. So now I can actually do that. Uh, but like there's stuff like that where like that whole card screen I feel paralyzed by. I mentioned table view cells, like my whole my whole playlist and list views, those are all like, you know, just technical debt paralysis all over the place there. Um, there's so much code there and I don't want to work on it. Part of this is compounded by the fact that I am transitioning to Swift, like with most of what I write now, and all of that's objective C. And so it, the last thing I want to do in my like Swift adolescence here is spend a whole bunch of time working on Objective-C code. So what I probably should do is rewrite it, except that's usually a terrible idea. And if I'm going to rewrite it, should I rewrite it in Swift UI? It's a little early for that. That would become easier if I could require iOS 14, but then the WWDC is coming up and I should probably wait for that. And like, there's, <laughs> there's all these like kind of mental blocks I have that I have this kind of huge swamp of very complicated UI code that I want to either significantly refactor and rework or replace but that's such a big job it's kind of like weighing on me whereas like i have to keep telling myself like if somebody were to make a brand new app today like a brand new podcast app comes out they don't worry about all the baggage they just do whatever they can with the new stuff and and they they plow right past all this stuff yeah no it's oh that that feeling is the worst where it's the sense of like like there is so much code in like like you you would imagine pedometer plus plus's main screen super simple it is a bar graph there is so much sort of custom and sort of like customized code in there that it's like i've thought about just rewriting it several times but it's like i go in and look at it and it's just like I, I don't know how where where I would even start. Like there are so many assumptions and things, and many of them are like features and little details. And some of those details I've sort of semi-documented or kept track of as I've gone. But there are so many little things that I've added over the years to make it better. That if I went back and rewrote it, there's a good chance I would miss, and then I feel like I was making the app worse. Like I know like one of the little things is I make it so that a, a bar never touches the goal. So like if you, you know, if you imagine your step goal is 10,000, there's a little line, this indicates 10,000 steps and the bar that grows up, um, never actually touches it unless you actually have met your goal. So if you have 9,999 steps, oh. typically you would imagine that it would, you know, to sort of from a rounding perspective, it would actually eventually touch, even though it hadn't actually reached the goal, but just from the way that pixels work. But I always put two, a, like a two pixel boundary between your bar in your graph um, until you've actually met your goal, which is just one of those little like sound. It's like a cool little feature. And I think it makes sense because it's important for many people is that they've hit their goal. And it's like those kind of details. I th- like every time I sort of start to go into that code, I'm like, 
I built so many little like features and tweaks and things like that into this that I would never find them all. Yeah. And then inevitably I'm going to annoy someone who is reliant on that or enjoyed it or wished it was better. And it's almost like I'm going back in time, like making the app worse and then sort of like trying to go forward and in a way that doesn't benefit anyone except for me in, in many ways that like I've thought about, you know, it's a relatively easy screen. I could certainly remake this in, um, in Swift UI or in something that's a bit more straightforward or performant or like many different reasons potentially that mostly would benefit me. But like, I'm never, I'm ne- as at this point, I'm never going to touch it. And it's funny now when I go and I've been spending so much time in Swift UI and Swift and Predometer Plus Plus is almost written entirely in Objective-C that I, I'm at the point now where I look at Objective-C and I'm like, I don't even know what this is. And <laughs> like, if, I, if there's a new feature or new thing I need to adopt and, and, you know, a sort of address in iOS uh, 15, it's going to be tough. Like I remember with iOS 14 stuff with the full screen modal or like the non full screen modal and the, it changed the way that like view did appear and view did disappear um, sort of dynamics change. And it caused so many problems and issues for me. Um, and part of it's because it's this very kind of like it, it's there's, there's assumptions and things that I've built into the app that, um, now I have to deal with. And so like, there's certainly, I feel like this is in some ways it turning into a, just, just a, a discussion about technical debt, but it's like many of it does just come down to this. It's, it's hard. Anytime you add something to an app, it becomes like a, just a weight that you have to carry around with you for forever. And I think it's increasingly becoming something that I'm feeling more circumspect about as a result. That's like, do I want to, is this feature worth, you know, carrying around, like hanging on my neck for the next five years? Um, and if it isn't, like my bar becomes much higher for like, is this actually worth doing um, or not? Yeah. And, but see that, I feel like what we should be telling ourselves here, whether or not we can actually do it, but what we should be telling ourselves here is, you know, be bold and don't be afraid to change your mind. And if something's bad, take it out. And and like, and I would love to do that. And sometimes I do. Uh, but there are real costs to that in terms of like yeah. you 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 anger people so much when you take something out. Like I still get one star reviews. <laughs> like there are like certain people who are mad that I changed something or took something out like five years ago who will leave a one star review on every single update I make. that's ridiculous (laughs) it's but but that's what happens and it's it's something that like you have to either you know bow to that pressure and accommodate everybody somehow which is probably impossible and then results in you know optionitis in your app where you oh make everything a preference um or you have to be willing to be bold and anger a bunch of people and get a bunch of one-star reviews and a bunch of angry emails and tweets and just be ready for like well that you know, maybe I maybe I will just make up for that with five star things instead, and and maybe maybe I will you know be able to take the criticism and just ignore it because there's so many other people who like it, or maybe I should do this because I'm confident enough to make it you know that it'll make it better. But that's a really hard thing to do, especially like when you don't know how something's going to go. Like you know, one of the decisions I want to make is like as I am you know, hopefully doing a UI redesign soon, if I can get over myself. Um, one of the things I want to tackle is, do I still want to have a custom font in the app? Um, I switched the default to the system font t- to San Francisco um, a few months back, and almost no one noticed. And the very few people who did notice uh, said, oh, I like the redesign. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Even though they're just switching the default. But um, 
but I know like, you know, there are certain people like a lot of my friends love the custom font. And a lot of them have told me like, yeah, it, you know, you do what you want, but I think it'll, I will like it less with San Francisco or it loses its personality or whatever. Like I've heard that a lot from people I respect. And so it makes it really hard for me to say, well, I should really drop that. But I drop, like I've been using the system font on my copy of the app for over a year and I like it better. And now like whenever I go test my custom font, it looks old to me. So I should probably just drop the custom font already because that would make all of my, you know, my future work with Swift UI. And as I redesign a lot of these screens, like to only have to, make it accommodate one font and only test with one font would make it so much easier. Uh, but I know I, I, I would lose a lot of people with that. And I kind of feel, well, I, I, well, maybe I wouldn't lose a lot of people with that. I, I would, I would hear from a lot of people about that. And I, I wouldn't be able to discount them all as like, you know, raging idiots because a lot of them are my friends and, sure. or people I respect or, you know, people who, who I know have good opinions and good taste. And that, and I really don't want to have to go through that. But, I also really want to get rid of the custom font because it would make my job a lot easier. Uh, and, and so I don't know. It, it's a tough, how do you balance that kind of thing? Oh man. That, my, the reality is of course, is like you can't, um, I, like I think you, you, you just have to, it feels very much like making the least worst decision, um, rather than necessarily there being an obvious best <laughs> that, which, which is, which is not great, but that's, that's the reality of, of the work that we're doing is it's we're, we're Everything that we put into the app creates an expectation um, in our customer, and the hopefully the nature of our apps is that they have a wide and varied audience that um, is big enough that everyone's everyone has a different you know like any particular feature or detail or nuance of the app. There's a chance that it's someone's most favorite thing about your app. That it is the thing that draws them to it. It is the reason they use it, and there are certainly going to be some features that are going to be you know, lots of people's favorite feature. And then there's going to be these little details or these little nuances or whatever it is, then that's going to be someone's favorite feature. And so every time you add one, you create a new opportunity, I suppose, for someone else to find a new favorite. Um, but then you also then have, you know, carry it, it along with that becomes the risk that it's someone's favorite feature. And if you take it away from them, it feels much worse than if you had never given it them in the first place and they don't, they never knew that it was there. Um, and it's just hard. Like I, this is the paralysis that I certainly feel. And sometimes I think as I've been sort of slightly introspective about it recently, I think this is part of why I like, I, one of the many reasons why I like making new apps is to not, it's sort of lets me avoid the question of what, what, what should I change when instead it's like, well, if I'm making something new, everything's new, there's no expectations. I can just make it. But if I'm going back and changing something, it's much harder. And I've made the wrong choice many times where, and sometimes I have taken features out and then had to re-add them back in or I take them out and there's a consequence in terms of engagement or interest in the app or, you know, whatever it is. And it's like that tension is just so hard. And so I think in the end, it's like I think about going into another round of new iOS, new watchOS, et cetera, this year. It's like I think I am increasingly, as I've gotten more experience with this, I have much more of a feeling of, if it doesn't really make the core of the experience better, I'm going to be very cautious about adding a feature to an app because it's creating all these problems that we're having to sort of wrestle with now um, that we have to, like, I, I don't think, I think I would often discount those. Um, and, and while sometimes it'll be kind of small and a bit of a joke, like, ah, the iMessage app store didn't go anywhere. 
Um, but sometimes it's real features or real problems or things that you're just like, you're going to be wrestling with, with streaming and I'll be dealing with Apple watch merging for probably till the end of time. Hopefully, you know, it's just, these, these are the problems that don't go away. <laughs> right. Well, cause like a lot of that is just inherent complexity of the, you know, what the market demands. Like I regret ever having done a watch app. <laughs> I wish I spent so much time on watch apps and I've rewritten it like four times because it, it always needed it. <laughs> and I, I regret so much about having poured so much time into Apple watch development, but that's also what my market demands. Like people expect podcast apps to have watch apps. And so I kind of have to do it. Um, the, the hard part is knowing ahead of time, like whether what you're pouring all your time into is something that you need to do or something that seems like you might need to do it, but then after you do it, no one uses it. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's just the reality, I suppose, right? Like, I think in some ways, I wish this was one of those episodes where there was like an answer. And I think the answer is more, this is something that's important to be to, to be aware of, that this is when you're factoring, when you're deciding what to do, when you're going through and doing planning, when a new version of iOS comes out and you're being, and you're going through and being like, what should I do? You know, kind of coming up with your plan for the summer. It's like one of the features that you need is like, you need to imagine yourself three years in the future dealing with this feature. And if it isn't something that excites you, if it isn't like, oh my goodness, this is going to be amazing. Um, then maybe not like maybe be thoughtful, maybe hold back, maybe you know, be a bit, be a bit more timid and save yourself the future pain. Stay away from custom UI. It's not worth it. (laughs) It's not worth it. Thank you everybody for listening. And we will talk to you in two weeks. Bye.